It's outrageous. After four trials in the Supreme Court, Newt Gunray is still the Viceroy of the Trade Federation. <laughs> Behold, ladies and gentlemen, the unlimited power of the Countdown to Nine podcast. Do you realize I've been saying ultimate power for the last two episodes? I do realize that you've been saying ultimate it's power, unlimited yes. unlimited power. It, is, is that sad that even I was just, I think I was just excited about the, the, the concept of the reference. You never corrected me. I correct myself. Shows you how much I watch the prequels. Uh, just to confuse you, this is episode three of Countdown to Nine. We're recovering... Episode, episode two. two. Right, yes. Attack of the Clones. <laughs> Continue our breakdowns of each film leading up to this December 20th and the release of Star Wars Episode Nine. Paul Preston of the Movie Guys here with you alongside me. Sean Blodgett. Of? Creative Motion Entertainment. Which is? You know, bringing script to screen and everything in between. You always say on a... We like to provide the Hollywood cinematic look at a fraction of the cost. So a Lucasfilm look, but not Lucasfilm prices. Basically, yeah. yeah. Uh, we are in the Mighty Admirals Club here in Burbank, California, and today's monthly check-in for how much closer we are to Episode 9. Uh, as of the taping, it's 36 weeks We need a drum roll days. for this. Oh, sorry. 36 yeah. weeks and 6 days, <laughs> or 258 days, whichever sounds better to you. Uh, and in that time, we promise you more film recaps, analysis, opinions, interviews, guests, jokes, and more. And this week, we're making good on our promise of guests. Woohoo! And uh, so later, we'll be talking to... Oh, oh was she, we have her well, I, mean, right? I mean, later on, I mean, she's, she's right here in front of everybody. It's kind of funny to say later on. Later, we're going to go... Some, in- we're going to get her here somehow, through some spaceship or something. We're going to go in-depth. Later, I like that. Talk about I like that too. Yeah, but uh, we're gonna get deep. It's uh, we're making good on our pledge to have guests, so uh, we will be talking to actress Nalini Christian. Woohoo! Yay! Thanks for having me. (laughs) Thanks for being here. Who played Padawan Barris? Offy. That is correct. I did. Is it Offy or Ophi? I say Offy because I think of coffee and then my Offy. That okay? That makes a lot more sense. That makes a lot more sense. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, You had to go online. These Star Wars names. I mean, who knows sometimes, right? (laughs) Um, But uh, we'll get to the bottom of uh, what her character was all about and what's doing on the set of Star Wars Episode Two. But that is our stop here on the uh, chronological galactic trade route through the galaxy. Uh, Before we talk about it, however, a note to you guys, a quick way to encourage you to talk about it is to chime in your thoughts at themovieguys.net, countdowntonine at gmail.com, or social media, which is pretty much countdowntonine everywhere, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, etc. And that's nine the word. Correct, Amundo. Yeah, countdowntonine the word. Speaking of nine, are there any updates on episode nine? There's, Since we last talked. There's a little bit of talk about when the trailer's going to drop. Some people think it's going to be, you know, right before this Avengers, like, it, you know, it's going to happen then, or I, I don't know, nothing huge, really. But there was a little internet rumor uh, that happened, that this fake release of a poster for Episode Nine, and then it was one of those things like, oh, that looks really cool. I think that might actually be real. And then you look at it, and I think C-3PO had a lightsaber, like, way in the back. <laughs> Somebody you're, like, just you're like, that's... No, that's not real. So, yeah, yeah. Well, if it's anything like The Force Awakens, uh, they released a trailer at Star Wars Celebration. Now, we're taping on the 6th of April. This will air, this will post, whatever, on the 15th. So, Celebration starts in between there. And the 12th is Episode Nine Day at Celebration. So, if we're going to get a trailer soon sooner than avengers that might be the day that seems based on synchronistic yeah. mm-hmm, exactly <laughs> so let's pretend we saw it uh because it's our everyone else will have if it came out then by the time they listen to this you following right. me oh man that was a great I have trailer no idea what's happening right now <laughs> <laughs> pretend it was a great trailer all right so first things first uh what's attack of the clones about well it starts out as all the star wars films do 
A long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Naboo was under an attack. No, that, that's, I'm sorry, that's the previous movie. That's the previous movie. We're out of Naboo, and our little boy Jedi has grown up to become a teenager. <laughs> Ten years have passed since we last saw Anakin. Padme, Obi-Wan, Scooby, and the gang, and Annie has grown up. Scooby, what's that? Well, that'd take a little explaining. Maybe later, huh? Uh, and, and he uh, is, uh, uh. and he is now a Jedi Padawan, an apprentice of sorts to his father figure Obi Wan Kenobi. Anakin and Obi Wan get assigned to protect Queen Amidala. Now a senator. Is that an upgrade? Uh, apparently, Senator Amidala is against the creation of an army and is against war. So she's basically like no other senator I've ever heard of. <laughs> so, <laughs> so someone's out to kill her. She is essentially a wedge. Look at the size of that thing. Not that wedge. <laughs> In Palpatine's ultimate plan to divide the galaxy, start a war, and become the savior and ruler of the galaxy. So she's got to go. And meanwhile, Obi-Wan goes all CSI Coruscant, trying to find the person behind the attempted killing of Padme, while Anakin takes Padme to safety back on Naboo. Now, since Anakin has been pining for Padme since he was nine years old... No, that's not creepy at all. This is the perfect opportunity for them to fall in love. Even though Jedi are forbidden to have any type of attachment to that nature. Through his highly skilled Jedi detective work, Obi-Wan follows clues to an uncharted region of Kamino, where he is greeted by a friendly welcome. And learns that there is already an army of the Republic being created. A clone army! The clones are all replicated using the genetic template of bounty hunter Jango Fett, played by Aquaman's dad. Fun fact, did you know that Jango Fett is Mandalorian for fan service? <laughs> I was not aware of that. <laughs> Meanwhile, even though Anakin is enjoying his time with Padme... I don't like sand. Uneasy premonitions about his mother lead them back to Tatooine, because that's where you go in Star Wars movies. Anakin learns that his mother had married, had other children, and has been kidnapped by the Tusken Raiders. Raiders! So, he slaughters them. All of them. It's a dark moment. He slaughters them? Yes. Who? The Raiders. Oh, uh, can we talk about this? <laughs> I just had to get that in there. Uh, his mother's death leads Anakin to promise Padme a, a promise that he will eliminate death which you may remember is one of Trump's campaign slogans. <laughs> Sean, Sean, you're married, right? Yes. All right, did you make any promises to your wife? Sure, to love her, be honest, care for my family, you know, all of the important staples of a good you marriage. Ne you never promised to eliminate death? Not so much. I thought you loved her, dude. <laughs> messed up. <laughs> Elsewhere in the galaxy, Obi-Wan's investigation takes him to Geonosis. And if you have Geonosis for more than a week, see a doctor. Yeah. It's here that Obi-Wan discovers that there is a separatist gathering by Count Dooku, that Count Dooku authorized Padme's assassination, and that Dooku and Newt Gunray are building a droid army. You should listen, Wyma. It's perfectly simple. If you're not getting your hair cut, you don't have to move your brother's clothes down to the peg. You simply collect his note before lunch 
After you've done your scripture prep, when you've written your letter home before rest, move your own clothes onto the lower peg, greet the visitors, and report to Mr. Viney that you've had your chit side. <laughs> that simple. As Anakin and Padme arrive on Geonosis to rescue Obi-Wan, they are captured by Django. Django! Django! They are sentenced to death in an arena! But it seems Supreme Chancellor Palpatine has been granted emergency powers back at the Senate, so he sends the clone army to rescue them, led by Mace Windu. Enough is enough! I have had it with these monkey-fighting snakes on this Monday to Friday play! <laughs> Yoda, Obi-Wan, Anakin, Scooby, and the gang try to defeat Dooku, played by Christopher Lee's head superimposed on a stuntman's body, but they fail, and Dooku delivers blueprints for a super weapon to Darth Sidious back at Coruscant. This starts Palpatine's rise to... He may have... He may have said ultimate. Thing. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> I like that you still wrote ultimate power. I yeah. I mean, probably cut and paste. It seems the Clone Wars have begun. And back at the farm on Naboo, Anakin secretly marries Padme. And if you've ever seen Braveheart, you know secret marriages always go well. <laughs> they declare true love. And that's the end of them and the galaxy. <sighs> Woo! By the way, this is... These aren't my favorite scenes in the movie, the Anakin Padme. Oh, this is yeah. one of John Williams' finest hours. What a score. This is something. The score this, is this beautiful. This love theme especially. Across the Stars, I think it's Yeah. Called, kills it with this. Actually, in the behind the scenes, uh, the mandate from Lucas was, I, I want this to be this hugely romantic score similar to like, mm. you know, older films. You, you know, so, I mean, I think he really nailed that. He really got yeah. that. Yeah, it has that. Has a Lawrence of Arabia feel. Yeah, and I sure feel like you know, desert. John Williams yeah. is really starting to come into his own. I think he's going to be something. <laughs> <laughs> All right, but after hearing that whole uh, plot, uh, I can only think to channel Linda Richmond of Coffee Talk. I'll give you a topic: Attack of the Clones. The clones never attacked, and we're the good guys. <laughs> Discuss. <laughs> well, we should turn to Nalini right out of the gate because she was in it. I mean, uh, you know, exactly. How yeah. I remembered it. Oh, it was so entertaining listening to the both of you, though. <laughs> I could just sit here and listen all the whole day. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so, for those who don't know, uh, Barris Offy, mm -hmm. uh, the. Uh, Padawan Jedi mm -hmm. was in the Geonosis uh, Coliseum battle. battle scene. That but she's also, you're also in a scene in Palpatine's office, right? Is that? Yes, yeah, yes, yeah. yes, the Jedi Council scenes. So yeah. That's correct. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's true. Yeah. yeah. Which I, I was watching today just in preparation for this episode, and I was like, oh, there she is, right there. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, uh, yes. so uh, join us as we, as we yes. chat about this film a little Absolutely. bit. So, it had a $115 million budget, which 2002 is, uh, which today, Strangely, mm -hmm. doesn't sound like a lot. Oh, no, you consider no. an Avengers no. movie is like 250, 300 oh, million. Yes. But only Star Wars and Avengers today are slam dunks to make that money back. Yep. Yes, exactly. So, uh, and ultimately, the mo how much did the movie make back? It was was ever. Uh, I don't know if it. Was, I, I got the number. It was like a half a billion. Yeah, I, I don't remember. think that one was it as made, popular. Uh, oh, six hundred six hundred forty nine. It's only sixty yeah. percent of what Phantom Menace made. So I don't know why people didn't want to come see what happened next. But. Yeah, I mean that's still when you when you consider it is a lot of money to be made from a film. But when you compare it to all the other Star Wars films it, it wasn't a blockbuster by any means yeah. do you think the the love story aspect hurt the film i don't think it was that i think it was the audience i mean you you made a film that was 30 years old mm -hmm. and then the next thing you know everyone has grown up and they've seen star wars 
you know, as children, it's very different. And then they make a film that is very different uh, and they're trying to capture the same audience. Mm. And so who you're targeting and the audience that, that's listening to this is expecting something very different and very similar to what they've seen as they've, you know, as they've grown up and when they were children. And I think that people, yes, the storyline, the love story probably wasn't very interesting. I think mm. they wanted to see more action and they wanted to know, you know, what happened before, um, you know, and all of that. But I think that the biggest issue was the fact that the audience was expecting something <coughs> very similar to the first three films, mm. and they didn't get that when they watched the next three. It really didn't exceed their expectations. That's interesting. Yeah. It, you but, brought up... Go ahead. I just find it interesting that you led with the question, does the love story derail? Because I, I honestly never thought of it like that. Mm. Yeah. I've, I've yeah. thought there's plenty of action. Yeah, Geonosis yeah, fight, I think, yeah, I mean, there, it, it spreads out of the Coliseum, yeah. goes all over the planet. I mean, it's just a huge fight scene. And then I it just, leads to the lightsaber battle. Yeah. Which is something, but I think comes down to whether you care or not. <laughs> I, I don't think it's that, but I also think uh, when you have an action film like Star Wars and many other films that you watch, I mean, I don't know if you watch TV shows, The Outlander, for instance, you know, they, they talk about having a dry spill in the, in the actual film because there's a lot of sex scenes in that particular show and their chemistry is what's amazing, but the storyline doesn't allow for that in season five and season six and seven may bring that back. Same with Star Wars. I mean, it's exactly the same sort of concept. Sometimes you need to show less action to get the point across of what's happening and you need to explain a plot um, and that's not going to necessarily be interesting to people you know because they want to see action but the whole premise of the first three films was to really lead up to all the action that you see right. and it was the fact that they didn't do it in chronicle chronological order i think is is also the fact that people right. forgot that you're they were going back something. and you're trying yeah yeah you're yeah. trying to build up a story and it's hard when people are expecting something different mm -hmm. well, let's not forget yeah. a 1977 star wars there was about 20 minutes where nobody spoke but droids and jawas it yeah. wasn't a word <laughs> <Yeah>. of english <laughs> exactly. and people went with it because uh, <laughs> there was some magic behind that film that maybe by now wasn't so magical. So, it, so this one had moments. But right. It was yes. still looking for the original magic. I think. Yes. For me, there were a couple things that, that stood out watching it again. Uh, I, I mean, I like the love story. I think the thing that, that, you know, we've talked about it in some of the other episodes, like Lucas, and, I'm gonna, and I want to ask you this question if you got much of a chance to work with him as a director, because mm -hmm. I'm very curious. Uh, I, I feel like as a director... Those are the that's where he sort of he's great at like the visuals and like creating this beautiful picture and like all these images and like he's got all of this like brilliance. And then when it comes to people, it just feels like there's a disconnect. And I feel like for me, that's the disconnect because there's there's a few moments in Attack of the and I actually really like Attack of the Clones. Mm -hmm. It's one of my favorites of the uh, of the prequels, uh, maybe my favorite of the prequels. Um, but one of there's only three. There's only three. <laughs> so yeah. all right, I like them all for different reasons. I'll just say that. Um, but you know, there's a few moments with the love story, and that's why I brought this up. Where if if the acting. If the intentions were, were just a little bit stronger, you know, if the objectives were there, you know, I mean, even the moment when he, after he, he slaughters all these Tuscan Raiders, because, you know, I mean, even if they would have had, had him go, you need to go deeper, you need to go further, you need to push this, you, you know, if you had a director who'd be like, I don't buy it, do it again. You know, because Hayden, I think, had it in him. I mean, there's moments where you can see he's trying mm. to get there and mm. nobody is helping him, yes. you know, so, um, so I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, I, I have to agree. It wasn't the strongest performance on his part. Um, but having watched George Lucas direct, he's very soft. 
He's mm. very soft in his direction. Soft um, meaning so, spoken or just in terms of how he interacts with he, actors? He's a very calm person. I've never mm. met anyone so calm in my life. And he's <laughs> a whole lot shorter than me and very calm and composed. And I'm not sure how he does that. But he was giving Samuel Jackson direction. He said, okay, just try that again. But, you know, just a bit more of this. And he was very sort of relaxed about it. There was no, I mean, he wasn't a James Cameron. You know, James Cameron will spend 30 minutes with you just trying to explain mm. what he wants from you in that scene. Right. But he, I and think David he has. David Fincher, right? Yeah, the, I mean, notorious 40 Yeah, takes, exactly. <laughs> so I think that he's not like that. I think he trusts his actors and he trusts the performance. Mm. Um, he doesn't think that he has to give a lot of direction because he thinks he already, the characters already have it or the actors already have it in them to perform. Mm. And so that's why he's very soft in his actual direction and then people take that and they work with that and you know most of the time that works out but mm. for some reason uh, Hayden's particular performance a lot of people didn't like that I mean yeah. it just happens sometimes doesn't it sometimes you don't see what the audience sees yeah. when you're filming well it's yeah, interesting because we'll get to this next month but he got better by the Sith, I think. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I didn't dislike his performance in yes. Attack of the Clones. I mean, I thought he was good. I, I just yeah. I just think that there were moments that could have been deeper. And, and, I, and this is my other point, um, and we've talked about this too, script. I, I really think that the script, you know, I think the story, again, I think Lucas is brilliant at like the big picture. Like the story mm-hmm. of this, if you just look at it on paper, like a summary, like, oh, yeah. yeah, that sounds cool. They find out there's clones and like, oh, he goes on this. And, like, okay, there's some cool stuff. But I think we made it sound pretty exciting. I, I, <laughs> <laughs> but I think in terms of the actual dialogue, and he did actually write this one with another writer, which I thought was interesting. Mm-hmm. So I think this actually did get better in terms of script writing compared to Phantom Menace, which mm-hmm. I think really had some script problems. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, I, I I just think that, again, that could have gone further, too. Because there, there's mo- there are moments, I mean, like, even the, the moment with his mother dying, like, there, there are moments that, I mean, one little line, one little adjustment directorially, one mm-hmm. slight thing that could have really shifted that scene that as an audience member, you connect with that character and you yes. connect with the emotions and suddenly it's like, boom! Oh, my mm-hmm. God, I feel something. Because mm-hmm. that's what you want. So you're going to mm-hmm. have to really torture me to say something bad about Marvel but I will tell you <laughs> I tell you Tom Holland with the Russo brothers directing Tom Holland would have knocked that scene out of the park our new yeah. Spider-Man um, alright Invisible Candy they had a lot to film though there's a lot to be filmed they had to edit a lot out and you know I mean I think it's hard when you, when you have so much to film the expectation is so high perhaps they just didn't have the ability to be able to spend so much time on a scene I know it's very go 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 we only got this much time to do this scene you need to be ready and you know I think that sometimes they they just don't see that a performance could be a bit deeper because they're too busy thinking about the fact that oh no we have so many other days to shoot and, and we have to get this done and everything's so tight everyone's on such a tight budget time time frame it, it sometimes that happens did on you sets. feel that on set I mean, you said he's a real calm and loose guy, but did you feel like, I need to learn more sword fighting? No, or I, need to, uh, I found that more on other sets, but I mean, I did hear that just from, through the grapevine that, that, you know, it's obviously there's a lot of filming to be done um, and they couldn't necessarily fit everything in. So mm. we couldn't really get a grasp of exactly everything we needed to, needed to see. But, but that was the reason why, because there's just so much to film. But I didn't get that on the set. I got on the set that it was very relaxed. It was a lot of fun. And it was just very almost laid back, hmm. you know, being I shot in Australia. I was like, awesome. yeah, it's very laid back. And he was <laughs> well, very laid back. Go, and yeah. <laughs> it really, it just kind of, it was, it was, it was a really great experience. That's awesome. Was, yeah. That's well, awesome let's talk about then the first time you saw it. I'm sure you're going to have a different story than yeah. we have. Yeah. Uh, for me, because and we were going to talk about this movie being one of the first digitally projected films yep. that we've seen or that was released. Well, uh, it was so, the, it was the first 
blockbuster movie that was shot completely digitally. Correct. And then, it's true. Yeah, and then there was the digital release, which Lucas at the time was pushing very hard to get digital projection in more mm-hmm. theaters. And mm-hmm. I got st- stats on that. He got it into 20 screens. Wow. And 3,000 still projected film. Right. Here in L.A., I saw a uh, digitally projected version of it, and I sat too close. Mm. Maybe it's not as perfect as it is now. Maybe back then the digital right. projection was still in Zimbabwe, but sitting as close as I was to the theater because it was just packed, I saw all the little like pixels and yeah. and lines and stuff. And oh, it, was, it was unfortunate. It was like, oh, that kind of sucks. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but uh, so interesting. I, I need to see it again, I guess. Yeah. I but um, yeah, he he did try and and take this out to the whole industry. Um, and they were reluctant. Yep. But uh, now they're all on board. So yep. he knew what he was talking about mm-hmm. well in advance. Yeah. What, what about you? When, where, where Did you go to the premiere? Was there a premiere? I did or? in Australia. Oh, yeah, nice. I went to the premiere in Australia. And it was really quite funny because I went in with um, Mario Yaya, who played Illuminari and Dooley. We went together. We actually lived in the same suburb. That was the most bizarre experience I'd ever had that we learned that we only left lived not even five-minute drive from each other in the same suburb. So we used to actually drive in together to shoot. Which was just, oh, my God, that's awesome. I know. That's I great. thought that was like, oh, my goodness, this is fantastic. You're and my you were, master, and you live in the I same suburb. Say, yeah, I was going to say, yeah. So, so, so wait, were you getting into character? Or that, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, we just thought it was, I mean, we just clicked. It was fantastic. <laughs> Sorry, what was the question? I know it was getting to the answer. Uh, well, question. just yeah, I mean, where you first saw it. So but she was ordering you around while you were driving, right? Is that where, <laughs> yeah. where we were? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I know. No, Tales from the premiere. Oh, so to the pre- yeah, so back to the premiere. So um, I wasn't actually in the official premiere that had George Lucas and everyone else, but there was a lot of films being shot at that time. And um, oh, what's that actor? Will Smith and his wife actually came in and sat down. And there's a couple of other actors which I don't quite recall, but but he was there. And I thought, oh, he's here. He's in the um, screening because it was several screenings that day. Sure. Um, and and so he sat down and all these kids started to rush up to him and get autographs. And he was just so jolly and he was just right, you know, just, you know uh, giving his autograph out to kids. And it was just so fantastic to watch other like really famous actors being in there watching Star Wars and very down to earth. Um, and then we just sat there and watched in anticipation to see if all our scenes would actually show up. <laughs> I think we were very disappointed when most of them didn't show up. But oh again, we, we understood that, you know, they were going to cut out. Was there, how much more were you in that, that didn't make it? It was a lot of specific fight scenes that okay. we did, like tandem fighting, which is incredibly difficult to do, which is where you stand behind, back to back to each other, but you do the exact same sequence. So she moves to her left and I move to my right, but we're moving in sequence and doing the exact same movements. Oh, and wow. so they taught us things like that, which are, you know, and they only give you the day to do it. Right. <laughs> so you've got to so learn So you like that. learn it and then you shoot oh, you it learn basically. you shoot it, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And Nick Gillard, you know, stunt coordinator yeah. really worked with us and he found it very amusing, you know, because they obviously <laughs> wanted female Jedis. I think George Lucas says, yep, we need more female Jedis. And they were told they need more female Jedis. Right. So, um, you know, he worked with us. But I think that I'm not sure if he thought we had it in us to be able to do the scenes that they were looking for. So some of those cuts didn't make it, but some of them did. And they were very small. Had you done a lot of fight choreography prior to that? I have a background in martial arts and oh, okay. karate growing Ooh. up, but nothing, nothing. Nice. Don't mess the... with her. Don't mess with her. <laughs> we call it... the point, like, you know, in my dojo, we call it karate. <laughs> <laughs> I put no, the emphasis good. on a different syllable. <laughs> where I... <laughs> well, that's cool. No, not as big as Ray Park. I mean, he has a big martial arts background. Right, He's right. a real martial artist, but yeah, you know, like, not on that level. You got cut in half. You survived. That's right. <laughs> exactly. That's right. Exactly. Right. That's awesome. <laughs> and I still maintain he got cut in half. 
<laughs> I know he shows up again, but come on. And then there's a whole story with your character beyond the film. Oh, yeah. That's just all crazy. Very disappointing for many of the fans, yes. Very disappointing. I, I honestly Disappointing have, in what way? Well, I mean, she does turn to the dark side. Apparently oh. she betrays the Jedi, but, you know, she has... You know, for she whatever reason, the she, Wars, right? yes, and she did a lot. I mean, she did a lot of good, but then she, at the end, she did something that I think personally was not her character. I don't mm. think that this is something Barris Offie would do, knowing how loyal she was. Um, you know, I, I just don't think that it's something that she could have done unless she was very convinced of corruption. Uh, you know, and because of that corruption, she betrayed them. Wow. I mean, that was her reasoning. Did you see that cute little kid in Phantom Menace who flies the pod races? Yes. He didn't look like he would destroy uh, it. That take is over my point. Yeah, that, yeah, you have a, yeah, okay, you he made your point. so sweet. <laughs> he seems so sweet. <laughs> yeah, that was very different. I mean, this, but obviously I don't know really, we, we don't really know the psychology of why she turned. I mean, but it's all played know. out in the animated series, right? Yeah, uh, it is. Or the film, but, or? It is, but, you know, what happens to her after that and... I don't think they go into, you know, a lot of depth as to why, you mm. know, she, she decided to betray them. She just says that they're corrupt. She kills Ahsoka and we just know that she gets tried for that and then that's it. But they are making another season, so maybe right. we'll know more. Right. And well, why not you coming in and doing the voice? I love this. Uh, I know. Australian. I would, it's fantastic. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. I would love to do the voice. However, it was shot in Australia when they got to the Clone Wars. I believed it was shot here. Uh, and so. I think they sure did a lot of that yeah. in Singapore, too. I don't know if they did the voices, but I thought they did a lot of the animation in Singapore because I, I know they had a Lucasfilm Singapore for a while. Was Singapore? I, I don't know if it's still San there. Francisco for some reason. I oh, don't really yeah, know. Oh, San Fran. Yeah, yeah, San yeah. San Fran, yeah. So I think because of the location of all the actors and because this was filmed all around the world, I think that they just made it a guess to have every single voice actor in one location. Right. So no one played their voices from the film. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, let's go back to what you were just talking about, people turning and all that and becoming evil. Is this whole thing Qui-Gon's fault? Yes. Because he's like, I believe in this kid, <laughs> and if we just let him go and stay on Tatooine, he doesn't well, become a Jedi, he doesn't turn, he doesn't create the Empire with uh, Sidious and then take over the galaxy. Some people would argue that ultimately he Mason. did, he does bring balance though, right? Because if if he hadn't been around... Sidious would have still risen to power. All of that mm. part would have still happened, and no one maybe would have been there to stop him. You know, and and it actually in a bigger in a bigger sense, <laughs> it brings us like metaphorically to life, right? Like we're a result. You know, I mean, things happen in your life, and they they define yeah. who you are, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. And and it's the twists and the turns, and like I wouldn't have made that decision had I not had yeah. this experience. And even in that sense, in a Star Wars world, I think it it fits into that same kind of paradigm. And Absolutely. to your and to your point, uh, which you told me before the show, not even his mom saves him. Yeah. That part, I, this was the first time, so I went rewatching it, and that totally bugged me that, like, he goes and he finds his mom, he finds out that his mom gets freed and remarries, but she never comes to find him. That's, yeah, I, there's that's something sad. about that, right? She's the only, he's the only kid, right? He, well, she, I mean, she has more kids. She was the, he yeah. was the only kid At from, yeah, no father, which, how do you feel about that? How do you feel about the whole sort of religious uh, reference, you know? Well, I think we, we did speak about this briefly and we talked about how it's very opposites when you look at the Christian religion, for instance, and how there is the son and there is the father and the father loves the world so much that he sends the son to save. Right. And this is a completely opposite, uh, you know, analogy. He has no father and yet he's really here to destroy the world. Right, <laughs> right. He's here to end everything. It's, it's very different. It's, yeah. You couldn't get more polar opposites, you, you know, if you ask for it. That, that's, that, that is... 
you know, very opposite. So, right. and, and the fact that he had no father and the fact that his mother really abandoned him hmm. probably really gives us a synopsis as to why he turns into who he is. Yeah. Ultimately. I, I mean, mean, that's we, some psychological problems yeah, right yeah. there. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think any therapist would agree with that. You know? yeah, you so your mom abandoned you and you had no father? <laughs> You're screwed. I mean, <laughs> exactly. Of course, right? I had a therapist. <laughs> no, they, they just have really big buildings. There's no yeah, money for therapy. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, well, let's let, now. You have uh, Barris Offy, right? Mm-hmm. That's your that's your Star Wars name. Yes, Sean. We need one for you. So here's how I found out online. <laughs> oh, okay, that you can get one. There's a lot okay. of great names in this movie. Great. That's one. Of okay. Them. Um, you take the first three letters of your last name. Okay. Oh boy. Oh boy. You take the first two <laughs> letters of your first name. Oh okay. boy. What do yep. we got so far? Etsy. Uh, the first three letters of my last wait. The first three letters of my last name. The last three letters. Oh, the last three letters. Oh. Last. Okay, oh. last three letters. No, no. The first three letters of your last okay, name. Okay, right. So we got last three letters, and then what? And then the first two of your first name. Blose. Blose. <laughs> That's, all right. Then you take the first two letters of your mom's maiden name. Okay. Ta. Okay. And the, and the last three letters of your hometown, where you were born. Uh oh. <laughs> Bloze Tayo. That's a total. That's a Star Wars name. I don't know who I figured it out. That that's always, brilliant, actually. I, they just have to end in vowels. Well, I'm going to say I'm Jedi Master Bloze Tayo. And I'm Pre Pa Wenta. And I'm Krani Devua. De, de, uh, Krani Devua. Oh, great Star Wars name. <laughs> That a, that a, name sounds like the master of all of us. I'm un, just going to say, yeah. It's an unshakable equation. Like, whoever came up with that, <laughs> that totally works. There's math and then there's that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so speaking of math, uh, let's talk about... Let's talk about <laughs> That's a great segue. <laughs> That's a great segue. <laughs> yeah. Speaking, of, speaking math, of geometry. Let's talk about smart people and they work with computers because uh, moving on to, to the technology of the film, away yep. from the story for a second, this is our first... CGI Yoda, beginning yep. to end. Yep. Better? But better for action sequences, for sure, when he fights Dooku. I well, mean. impossible to do without yeah. a, a CG Oh, I don't version. know about that. One of the greatest things you'll ever see is when a Muppet flies across the screen. <laughs> you know, like if someone throws a Muppet and the people are talking to so you see ah, a Muppet fly and hit something. That, that's the best. Yeah, it's not... It's not Good choreography for a fight, no, but it's funny. No, that's true. I I, uh, I know they did a you know I, I watched uh, I was watching a lot of the behind the scenes getting ready for this, and they did a lot of work to oh, yeah. to figure out how to ma- and they and, and what I loved is they they really looked at Empire that was that was their model was the the Yoda from Empire, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and they really looked at I mean everything from the hair and the way it moves and the mouth and all that stuff, and I think a lot of times in certain shots they get it right, mm-hmm. and in other shots. CG world takes over and it's like well but now it's CG so we can make his lips completely purse and completely you know beautifully articulate in this wonderful way that a puppet just physically cannot do mm-hmm. because it, you know of the mechanics or in the hand or whatever it is so I don't know I think I think there's some shots that are pretty awesome and especially for where CG was and now where it's come mm-hmm. I think it was pretty great yeah I'm, I'm, play? sure <laughs> we rarely do but I would say that we beat that she beamed the jacket off, but that's the wrong franchise. That's no, a, <laughs> we were talking about CGI. Yeah. We just put we, it 
Yeah. I just did that with my jacket. Yeah. You know, yeah. Like Actually, the jacket in the beginning was off. all, yeah, it was, oh, wow. Yeah. You've got a lot of yeah. powers. Oh, I yeah. do. Yeah, yeah, definitely. See, there's a lot to the force that we don't know about. Too. It does help you change clothes. They're oh, like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they never wash anything. They're just like, Okay, now I'm playing. Oh, yeah. I may have given you, I might have actually played a mind trick on you and you may have thought I had the Jedi on, I mean, the jacket on all along, but really I didn't. This is not the jacket yeah. you're looking for. <laughs> <laughs> uh, more down the CGI tra uh, uh, trail while we're going there. Yeah. Uh, so first of all, when you're fighting, you're, yes. you, those droids aren't even there. Yeah, Are, you're, yes. not in a, you're not even in a... Coliseum. Let me tell you how awkward that is when you first start doing that to pretend there's something there and looking frightened. Is it a teamster with a <laughs> tennis ball? No, there is <laughs> nothing. They just oh. go, okay, you're going to do this scene and sequence you just learned, but just just pretend you're fighting droids. I'm like, okay. <laughs> wow. So it really have you have to use your acting ability at that point. Yeah. Because, you know, someone is there and you're looking and you are fighting and they're relying on you and your acting abilities to be able to make that look as real as possible. I'm glad you said that because I do always like to give props to those. Oh, they're not even acting with anything. Harder. Yes. Mm. Yes. Neil Sethi, right? The Jungle Book. There's Ooh. no jungle. Yep. There's no animals. Oh, yep. Yeah. There's no nothing. Except yep. we had an actor who in here, uh, Alan Troutman, who was a puppeteer on set. He had the Bagheera's face and he'd run around to give the kid something to act off of. Right. But uh, mainly... Had to put himself in the situation. Had to put himself in front of mm -hmm. creatures that would make him feel fear or yep. whatever it was. So droids coming at you. I Time know. to act. I You're know. not just. You can't just wing it. You can't. Right. You yeah. either have it or you don't. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's interesting. Uh, in the behind the scenes, Hayden says something about that, and he mm. says it's like theater. You know, I mean, mm. you're you're pretending things are there and they're not. And I would argue that the the difference though is in theater, you're on stage. And there, there are these bright lights hitting you, and you know maybe there's some stage pieces, maybe there aren't, but it's dark out there, and there's something about that I think that kind of almost immerses you in in the creative element of of that moment. Whereas I think on set, everything's lit because you've got these green screens and these things, and everything's so bright, and it's just like here's a bright blue wall, and here's a green wall, and then there's mm -hmm. a there's a blue thing. I mean, it, to me, it's it. It just seems like it would be so overwhelming in terms of like, yeah, this is I really got to fight to to make this to feel something because you're you're not there is nothing to uh, viscerally immerse you in that in that world in that moment other than your own imagination. Yeah, I think that 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 is actually really re very true. That yeah, you must have a great imagination. But I personally, and this is my own experience, and many actors may have different may have a different experience. I personally found theatre more challenging. I've done mm. theatre shows before where yep. that's it. You don't get to cut and redo, which you get to do plenty of times. If you right. Do. We've done yeah. that during this podcast. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> For the love of God. <laughs> no, this is all so. live right now. Coming to you live. No. <laughs> but the point is with theatre, like, that's it. I mean, I've been on you know theatre shows where I'm a lead and the next thing you know, the props not, you know, phone's not ringing and the props not working. Right. And you have to just, you. it has to be very spontaneous. You have mm. to think on your feet. That doesn't happen with films. With films, you know, okay, cut. You could do that better. You have that time. Yeah. And therefore you have the time to look a bit more real when you're fighting something that's mm. not there. And I think that 
that makes it easier when you're doing film, regardless of you know you know whether you're working with CGI or you're not. I think that that makes it so much easier. Yeah. I mean, could you imagine if they combined theater and CGI and you had to do it all together and you only could do it in one shot? Oh my You'd God. have to be very ready. That day is coming. That day is coming. <laughs> Probably. Yeah, yeah. That day is coming. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, once upon a time you had to wait. During the trilogy, the, the the prequel trilogy, three years between movies. Now they crank one out every year. Yeah, you know, or mm-hmm. or two, I guess, for the main episodes and mm-hmm. then the standalones in between. But yeah, when it comes to like, we got to get these things out every six months. Yeah, you're going to be doing like one take CGI and uh, theater yes. at the same time. You know, yeah. well, it actually does bring something up about uh, since we're talking about the technology. Uh, we saw the beginning stages in the technology. So in the first in in Phantom Menace. Uh, there's, you know, all the pod stuff and everything, and it was basically the AD behind the camera, you know, yelling at Jake Lloyd, going, okay, there's there's a speeder coming by you, and then something blew up, bam! And, you know, and he's doing all this stuff, and, and you know, of course, you know, Jake's this little kid, and I don't think he's just like, let's just wrap this up so I can, you know, go have some M&Ms or whatever. And, but by the second, by, by Attack of the Clones, I think they had realized that does not work so great for actors to be able to react to. And so they had these animatics that they had done for uh, some of the um, spaceship things and stuff like that with mm-hmm. Obi-Wan and what they did was a playback of the animatics of, of like all the shots and everything with like you know a concept of what it would look mm-hmm. like and all that so that as he's flying it it's at you know he's seeing what's happening and it's going down and all that mm-hmm. stuff and you cut to now you know with Force Awakens and stuff they they have these huge uh, I don't know if they're LED or plasma screens but the, you know this has become a new technology they use on sets where um, they're literally the size of, you know, whatever, something out the window. Um, I think there's a, in The Last Jedi, there's one when they go into hyperspace and, and you know, Leia's drinking the tea mm-hmm. and there's all these, like, lights going by because they just came out of hyperspace. Well, normally that would be just a blue thing back there yes. and you'd add that in. Now they're actually doing this stuff rear practical. Rear screen projection? Well, it's not, it's not, it's sort of like a rear yeah. screen projection. It is absolutely a throwback to that in mm-hmm. some ways, but but what it does, I think, mm-hmm. for the actors, more than anything, is it gives you something that's real yeah. to react to if there's lights happening i mean they've used this in um you know explosion scenes in other movies and stuff like that and you know and from a cinematic point of view you actually get like the light is hitting you and and you know from a from a dp point of view it's like okay the 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 light of that is actually affecting them in a different way than what we're going to throw in in post with cg so it's really interesting to see that that was the beginning Mm. of that style Mm -hmm. that you're really reacting to something on that the computer's playing playing back you know so that would that would help as an actor. I mean, with timing. I mean, timing is so incredibly important when you're doing scenes like that. So, I don't recall having any of that. On yeah, set. It we didn't, didn't have any it didn't of that. Didn't sound like you had. Oh any of no, that. it was. We did not get any cues or anything. And yeah, I mean, to the amusement of the director at the time when we were, we were filming those scenes with an assistant director, um, you know, we weren't getting the timing and we didn't have anything to, to prompt us, you know, with the timing, especially the town fights, which. That would have been very useful for our tandem fights because we can't see what the other person's doing behind you. And to know that you have to start at the same time and do the exact same sequence, that kind of, you know, that cue would have helped. I'm surprised they didn't think to use like a click track. You know, like a music video or something, you know what I mean? Right. Like, or just like, like a metronome yeah. sound to go, okay, one, two, you know, almost like a dance. Because mm. really, anytime you've done, you know, mm. fight choreography is, is that, I mean, it's like a dance. I mean, you're mm. learning all these moves and all that stuff. And, mm-hmm. you know, so that that's surprising that they didn't, they didn't yeah. do that. Yeah, very surprised. Did they give you a chance to get, sorry, to, to get relaxed with it and, and find? Oh, yeah. We we spent hours. <laughs> I mean, hours. <laughs> next day, I could not move my arms. Hours to get used to it, learn all these sequences. And we spent two days just, just learning 
sequences and fighting them wow. um, and fighting. And, and so he would teach us a sequence, then would shoot, then teach us another sequence and would shoot. Um, and so, yeah, we got very used to using a lightsaber. <laughs> I almost felt like a pro after two days nice. of doing that. <laughs> should give you some kind of certificate or something. Right? From, the, from the council, know, right? Jedi Council <laughs> deems you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's taught by Nick Gillard himself. Right. Exactly, yeah. You <laughs> Did you get to choose your uh, lightsaber hilt? The... Uh, no. No. No, we didn't have those privileges. Oh, that's too bad. <laughs> I didn't get to keep anything. Oh. They don't let us keep anything. The costumes, nothing. Oh, wow. Nothing. Oh, yeah. I want to talk about costumes, too, because remember the first, I mean, it was about Phantom Menace when they started doing the full CGI characters. Before then, obviously, the stained glass window from young Sherlock Holmes many years before. But Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Man's Chest was the first time I was fooled. Like, I thought Bill Nye had tentacles on his face, but he's head to toe not there. Like, Davy Jones is just not there. Now, that happens all the time. Thanos is not there. These are characters who aren't uh, there. But first time I saw Davy Jones, I thought Bill Nye had all these costume pieces, but they animated the tentacles on his uh, face. Not true. Completely, 100% hmm. not there. Ooh. It's Bill Nye and a green screen with balls on his head or whatever, walking uh, around. That doesn't sound right. Doesn't sound right. <laughs> <laughs> they paid him well. They paid him well. did not come out right. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. Uh, Why are you pointing me? <laughs> oh, sorry. You know what I'm talking about. Uh, so... Uh, but now back in 2002, that was probably only four or five years earlier, uh, you had full costume though and full makeup, right? Yes. You, nothing, they didn't CGI anything on you after the fact? Nothing after the fact. All the scenes that we shot, we literally had a lightsaber in our hands and we shot those. The only thing that, the only thing that wasn't real was the screen in which we shot. So the Jedi Council scenes, we had blue surroundings mm -hmm. everything was blue and then we did the fight scenes the walls were green mm -hmm. there was no props because it was incredibly raw <laughs> wow so they didn't because i think alec guinness and david Prowse fight fought with like swords of sorts that they then animated the light yeah. on them you didn't even have that no ours was like a toy lightsaber but a very heavy kind of looking sword. but it was just the saber itself oh no, no it was it, no it was oh, everything it was full. Okay, oh good. it was full full lightsaber that's why our arms were so sore because it was so heavy because if you weren't hitting yeah, them against anything real i didn't maybe I you didn't even need that they just no. hold the practical <laughs> thing and then let the light be added there's up. a couple yeah. of moments in the behind the scenes where uh obi-wan <clears throat> is uh uh Ewan mcgregor is is swinging just the hilt and they yeah. add whatever in I think he's cutting something in half or whatever and they, yeah they do that yeah. because they obviously superimposed whatever colors right, and so forth right. but I mean they did that with ours but for some reason we, we didn't we had to use the whole full length lightsaber I don't, I don't know why or how they did it that way but that's what that's what happened. <laughs> well, it's interesting in the newer ones, uh, and they, they employed this on Force Awakens, because uh, they tried to do it in the original Star Wars. They, they, they Lucas explored these different ways to have the light and all this mm -hmm. stuff, and it just none of that ever mm -hmm. really worked back then. Mm -hmm. But for Force Awakens, you know, with the technology that they have now, with lights mm -hmm. and everything, they actually do use lit up, um, you know, sabers um, on set as opposed to just the color ones oh. that are on the prequels and things like that. Right. What's interesting about that, again, from a cinematic perspective, is it provides this light that you can't mm. fake mm. in post. Mm -hmm. You know, so if Ray is holding up the lightsaber and there's, you know, blue on her face, that's, that's practical. That's actually happening on set. And mm -hmm. so I think that's kind of interesting comparatively. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. To, I to make to, to make light appear on someone's face by putting light on it, kind of interesting. <laughs> Isn't it weird that that's 
that's kind of rare. And it's not, not goofing on your statement. It's like, no, that's rare. Because now they can go and do anything they want. Yeah, well, that's yeah. true. Yeah. I can put whatever yeah. color on your face. Though. I can put you anywhere I want to put you. I can put stuff on your head. I can put balls on your head. I can do all Wait, wait, wait. Why again? Why is it me? <laughs> I'm sorry. I can put balls on your head. Damn it. Uh, but but speaking of, uh, I, I keep the, doing the, the the transitions, don't I? Speaking yeah, I like I like that you're doing the transitions. <laughs> you are the transformer of the group. Transmission map. Right, yeah. Let me do a super broad one. Speaking of George Lucas, <laughs> oh yes, buddy of mine. Actually, I did go to a Q and A down in the Fox Light years ago with him and Ben Burt and Richard Chu talking about Star Wars. You know, like Ben Burt sound. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he, he added that plane. Yeah, in he right did. He's um, <laughs> but they and he did seem super charming. And you, uh, it, it does. He did seem like the anti Michael Bay or James Cameron or whatever. Mm, but the thing right. that Cameron and George Lucas have in common is Cameron basically makes a movie in his head like Terminator Two, and they go, "How are we going to do that?" And he says, "That's your job. Go." Mm-hmm. And then mm. they make it happen, and it looks yeah. amazing because mm. he's so demanding. He creates these mm. things. And you were telling me that they created cameras yep. to get clones shot. Yeah. So Lucas well, Lucas had been in development sort of with. That. It's an interesting. Uh, so I did a little bit of research about mm-hmm. the camera because I'm obviously I'm a camera mm-hmm. geek for that stuff. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I thought it was interesting. So the Cine Alta camera, the Sony camera that that mm-hmm. that was shot with, mm-hmm. was actually uh, developed by both Panasonic and Sony. That was mm-hmm. a, a they worked together to develop that technology. Mm-hmm. He had wanted to use it in Phantom Menace, and it wasn't ready. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, you know, he was able to use it. Uh, for Attack of the Clones, I mean, I think there was a lot of pushback about, you know, the image quality and what people felt about all of that. I, I, and even when I look at it, I think there's, I think there were so many discoveries for this this group of mm-hmm. of artists and technicians. I mean, you know, when you look at the CG, to me, there there are things that they did with the CG that now you wouldn't do with CG because. Y- you realize it's not right. The camera can't move that way. It wouldn't move that way in real life or um, even just like the fall off of a camera. If I have you in focus and Mm -hmm. that's supposed to be a little bit soft in the back, but sometimes you have a lot of these green screen shots and it's like Mm -hmm. everything's in focus. And I sort of get it from a creative point of view. I just spent, you know, 90 hours doing this cool, you know, (laughs) background. I don't want it to be a little bit soft because it's behind some actor's head, Mm -hmm. you know, but... I think a lot of times that's what made those those images feel false and put in because cinematically we're we're just used to that fall off. I mean, you know that that's what makes us feel like a movie looks like a movie is when you know there's a, there's you're in focus that's a little bit soft. I'm in a close up. You know, I'm hitting the microphone. You can hear it. I mean, all of those things. <laughs> practical you know, effects. Pla- practical <laughs> effects. You know what I mean? So, um, but I, I thought it was really cool that they they developed the camera and that was you know really the instigator for where we are now with cameras and. Um, you know, of course, Disney has revisited shooting the Star Wars films on 35, with the exception of Rogue One, which I believe was shot on the Aria Alexa. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Speaking interesting. of people. Uh, <laughs> 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 now, let's talk more about the casting, because did you know Tamora Morrison at all before, no, maybe not personally, but even as an actor before this film? Because I was a big fan of his film Once Were Warriors. Oh, yes. And I, I know that's a New Zealand film, so not yes. a lot of people here in the States saw it, but Siskel and Ebert recommended it, so I went and checked it out. And that movie is outstanding. Oh, yes. Uh, hard. 
Yes. Hard as nails. Drama. Big time drama. And then so when he showed up at a big blockbuster, I thought, hey, good for him. I like him. Mm. Yeah, he's very, in- I mean, it was a very intense film once where he is. And everyone knew it was very famous in Australia. And it really did depict the unfortunate uh, life of things that happen to marry families. You know, mm. It's domestic families. violence. And domestic marry, violence yeah. and, and, you know, things of abuse and things oh, like that. Wow. But he is a very good actor. And I knew about him. I knew of him um, very much so. And I met him at a convention a couple of times. And such a nice down to You didn't to meet him on the humble. film? Uh, do we actually shoot films? Do we shoot? I don't think any of our scenes were. He right. wasn't. He wasn't there when you were shooting the Genosis stuff. No, there's a lot of actors that weren't. Yeah, because yeah. because they shoot it in parts, yeah, right? And then they parts, they yeah. composited all that yeah. stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We were actually, I believe I it. Yeah. I didn't see him on set, but I did see him. Um, I think I may have seen him. You know, when I was going into the studios once, but right. never actually worked with him. But I saw him at conventions. Such a nice, humble, down to earth, wonderful man, and very talented. Very talented actor. And obviously, um, still working. You know, Aqu- yeah, Aqu- he is Aquaman's yeah, dad. Yeah, he's is very talented man, and 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 I and good for him. I mean, he's got a wonderful career, and he deserves it because he he just brings out the character that he plays. Mm-hmm. And once the Warriors, I mean, he was just you know, I think he stole the show personally. I think he was mm-hmm. just an amazing actor. Um, oh, those two did Rena Owen, and I looked yeah, at, I yeah. looked in the credits. It's a yes. little Once Were Warriors reunion because she voiced oh. one of the characters. On Camino, one of oh. the, the aliens. Oh the yes, yes. Aliens. There's one, and then there's like the aide to the main alien. She voiced them. Yeah. Alien. So she never. Made I think it she was set. on oh, set Owen. during those scenes as well. Oh, oh really? Really? Yeah, I think she because they had someone that was and it sounded exactly like the voice in the film as well. Mm. And they had like the the head was like you know like just like a stick going out her back, so the kid oh, had yes. everybody had the right eye line. So yeah. Yeah, I saw her recently in the Siren. It's a new show about mermaids, and I thought, oh, that's uh, really. Oh no, kid. Yeah, I like the and it's shot in Vancouver, and and it's. It's an interesting show, but I like what she plays in that show and her performance. Always, always, they're very good actors. Yeah, seek yeah. that movie out. Once we're warriors. Yeah, once we're warriors. Yeah, I'll have to check that. I haven't it. seen that. Yeah, that's awesome. And yeah. seek out Life as a House. Yes, great. There's a, there's a movie that came out that sort of gave us a hint, like we gave us a hint of who Tamora Morrison was mm-hmm. before Star Wars. The hint of who Hayden Christensen is before Star Wars oh, is yeah. this movie Life as a House with Kevin Klein. He plays a young, the young son of the main guy and is. A lot of drama. It's one of those. Yeah, but it's a very dramatic piece. But it's he's good. It, uh, was that a play? Not that I'm aware of. I feel like it's a weird it might title. have been. I feel like it might have been. I might be wrong. I yeah, life know. as a house. Life yeah. as a house. I'll have to check yeah. that out. Sounds like yeah. Sounds yeah. like Arthur Miller. He got a lot of awards. <laughs> got a lot of awards cred for that. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, and then everybody goofed on him for the Star Wars movies. So. Yeah. Uh, and also Joel Edgerton. Is that how you pronounce oh, it? Oh yes, Joel Edgerton. Yes. Edgerton. Yes. Um, <laughs> Taron. Edger- Egerton, no wait, Taron, the guy from Kingsman, Taron Edgerton, Joel Edgerton, Taren, I don't know. They're spelled differently, I don't know if right, they're pronounced the same. Right. Either way, Joel Edgerton, you should see anything that guy does. Like, all the guy does is get involved in great projects. Mm. Oh, yeah. uh, whether he's directing, like Boy Erased, or uh, he's acting, like Black Mass, or The Gift. I mean, he, the guy just keeps getting an interesting and more interesting projects. Mm. Uh, it comes at night, right? Oh, God. Yeah. He's so good. Uh, and one of his first sightings anywhere is as Uncle Owen. Yeah, he mm. he is. He was well known in the industry too before. You know, a lot of these actors are well known in their countries for films that they sure. do. Yeah, but like, Australia like keeps turning out these like great <laughs> stud 
actors? Do they all like know each other? Does he go over to Australia and just Russell Crowe's hanging out with you, Jack? Because no. I want that. <laughs> Could you make that happen anyway? I just want that to happen anyway. It's just a very, it's a smaller industry, so people generally know. Uh, you know, if, you, if you're a very good actor, they'll just keep using you. Like here, of course, you know, right. good actors yeah. will be utilized and they'll get work and a lot of work. And uh, there's not as much production, but it is a very, it's a smaller community as a whole. So if you do stand out, then people typically will just come to America or they'll go elsewhere to, to act because, you know, and they get noticed. They've probably been noticed from, you know, when they went to Australia to film. They probably wanted the top actors with the top agencies. And these were the people on the top of their list that, that did a lot of work and are renowned for their work. And that's why you see them all. But they were renowned before they did the, the big films. Right. <laughs> right. And if you shoot in Australia, they just automatically put a Hemsworth in your film. It just, <laughs> it's a perk. That's why people shoot there. Not quite. <laughs> Not quite. <but laughs> I, you wish that. I, I, don't think they, I don't think they'd make any, they don't think they'd make any Australian films. I think they do all the big blockbusters now, don't they? Thor and, yeah. you know, whatever films yeah. Hunger Games, right? Yep. Yeah. Games. But that's what they do. I mean, America's known for taking very, very famous actors or very good actors from different countries and and really expanding their uh what's the word i'm looking for expanding their their network of, of fans like priyanka chopra everyone knows priyanka chopra I'm, I'm of indian descent and my whole family knows her because she's been in so many indian films mm-hmm. for years and she is probably more famous and is, is has more fans than the amount of fans that you could have here in america because oh, wow. you know you've got a couple billion people in india right and the film industry is bigger so she's very famous yeah. there and then she made it big here but but, yeah, uh, isn't that very, interesting? Very interesting? I love that. Yeah, this yeah. question, this question would be better if I knew the guy's name. But you know this film yesterday that's coming out, the Danny Boyle film. Yesterday, about the I've uh, heard of it, uh, uh, great premise. Richard Curtis wrote it from uh, Notting Hill and Bridget Jones. Mm. Uh, a guy. It's one of those hit your head and the world changes movies, but it looks like a good one. Well, a mm-hmm. lot of them are goofy romantic comedies or whatever. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. a guy hits his head, wakes up, he starts singing Beatles songs, and no one knows the songs. Oh, and so it's a world suddenly where there's no Beatles. Oh, except he. So he he says, "Oh, I, I wrote it," and he becomes the biggest like star in the world. And he's an wow. Indian actor, uh, and I oh. wish I could remember his name. But um, that's fine. That I'm gonna look that up while we're yes, we're gonna have to look that up. I don't even know about this, and my partner's a oh, big God, Beatles such a fan. Great film. <laughs> he uh, should know. And it's, and it's uh, Danny Boyle, you know, who's no joke of a of a director. Yeah. I mean, his name is. Himesh Patel. He is actually an English Indian actor. Uh, yeah, yeah. Lots of lots of Indian people of Indian descent in Indi- in Britain. So, being a British actor, I'm expecting a lot from him because you know what they say about British actors. They're up. There. I, I don't know what what, what do they there. say about British. I mean, just like British humor. I mean, you can't beat British humor, but British actors are in a league of their own. Honestly, also here. I mean, Australians are too, but I mean, I think British actors are just. I mean, if I can aspire to be like you know some of the best British actors out there, Kate Winslet and. I mean, we talk about the big ones like Anthony Hopkins. Oh yeah, Anthony. Or uh, yeah, Sir Olivia Dench. Oh, there's beautiful. There's great American actors too. I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, so many of them. So many. But you know what's interesting? I feel like a lot of the American actors are have become personality actors. You know, well, they're, think, they're, they're very yeah. much them again and again. Like Jack yes. Nicholson, you're going to get Jack Nicholson's great. He's totally honest. He knows how to create these moments. And, yeah. But it's it's Jack Nicholson. And, 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 and you know what I mean? And they all kind of become these personality. Even the great ones, like, like Dustin Hoffman, I would say, is one of the greatest actors of our time. But now that he's, 
I feel like he kind of just be, does comes in and does his Dustin Hoffman thing a little bit. You know, I mean, unless he's really playing like a character mm. character. But you know, mm. well, it's so, also the, the British actors are alumni of the Globe and the Royal Shakespeare uh, oh, yes. Theater, and oh, yes. in America, they're uh, all alumni of sex tapes. <laughs> So there's that too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, every, you wouldn't become a lo- <laughs> look, man. Everybody has their process. <laughs> right. Yeah. Very true. Very there true. A, but there... there is there is a lot of character acting and a lot of British actors, yeah. Australian actors, and actors of different, you know, just everywhere. There's a lot of there's a lot more character acting. I feel that they teach you that more when you know when you come from Australia or England or wherever it is that you come from. That it's not about you being a personality it's about you being the character right you know i want to watch a character you know i mean what's the, what does, today i'm losing all the actors names it's british this not british south african um actress she's she's what very Charlize well known Shelley's Theron. i mean brilliant character actor i mean she just nails it every single yep. time one of my wife's you favorites yeah yeah sorry yep. i was interrupting yep. i know you're about to say something <laughs> no i think i was just going to say you're from fiji is I, there a Fiji bula, acting scene? Bula, 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 bula. Yeah, now I was born in the Fiji Islands, raised in Australia. Um, but I actually okay. So you were very young when you. Uh, I was like one, so I. And then I, you were off to Australia. Yeah, okay. I'm Australian, so Australian, but a Fijian. I'll say Fijian Australian. Well, actually, I'll say world citizen because it's Fijian Australian, Indian Nepalese. Wow, you know, just like, like everywhere, just everywhere. Everybody is a world citizen these days because their parents are mixed and they're born in one country, raised in another, have an accent from another country. It's just you know. <laughs> <laughs> You really define yourself so right um but being australian yes i the fiji industry i believe it's it's growing i mean hmm. i know survivor is filmed there one of my friends actually two of the guys i know two of the actors actors that were um on star wars uh now work in the crew for survivor mm. jesse jensen and his brother uh, zach jensen and zach played kit fisto Oh yeah, and oh, they nice. were yeah, and they're on um, Survivor now as crew. They've been on Survivor for years, and it's always filmed in Fiji. So I don't know too much about the film industry there, but I do know Survivor is filmed there. <laughs> right. Yep. I didn't know if there was one. Uh, that burgeoning Fiji film. I mean, I it's growing. Yeah, it's, I it's, it's growing. I think it's growing, but I think it's growing yeah. all over now. Oh, it's growing I mean, the, everywhere. The proliferation of the technology has taken care of that. Have you seen? Um, I don't know if you've seen any of the Colombian films that have come out recently on Netflix. There's one. Uh, what was it called? It's the did the Real Witch, the, I think it's called, uh, and they dub it, but they should really mm. use subtitles, but they dubbed it. It was yes, brilliant. Yes, I think those are better, better brilliant. with subtitles. Yeah, yeah, all these Colombian films coming out, so that industry's growing, and, and yep. it's an amazing show. Mm. I mean, they keep coming out with all these foreign films and foreign shows, and I think that's how it should always be. Yeah. Because you can, you can you know, there's brilliance in every part of the world. Agreed. And, and everyone wants to bring out a part of their culture and what you see on, on, you know, on their screens, so I think it's great. Yeah. Yeah. My wife yeah. saw The Favourite. And uh, with Olivia Colman, she just won the Oscar for that that film. She played uh, Queen Anne. Mm -hmm. Uh, And Karen loved her. And next thing you know, never heard of her. You're looking at me like, who? Yeah, I know. She's got (laughs) this great, she has these amazing television shows. Karen just went down to Netflix with Broadchurch and Flowers. And there's all these great TV shows Uh, she was involved in. It's like the city can find suddenly this long career of these people you're just now hearing of in another country. Right. Yes. So. Yeah. Interesting. It is very interesting. Uh, so, okay, then now you you're you get in a Star Wars movie, and pretty much then you become you now have a global experience. Yes. Right. So, yes. do you uh, do you have a con career? Do you, <laughs> like go out to Comic Con? That sounds. It doesn't sound. Do you have a con you know, career? You, con career. You just are the <laughs> first person has actually ever said, "Do I have a con career?" And you know, you you couldn't have summed it up better. Mm. I have actually done more conventions 
than I can can even think or remember. I know that mm. in then 2000... days on set probably for sure. Oh yeah, uh, well I did five <laughs> six days on the set. I don't yeah. do that many, but but it's the life and the aftermath of the films that mm. that changes your life. Um, you know, that's I remember, awesome though. I mean, that's oh, great. I think it's amazing. I've been to so many. I've been to three or four celebrations. I've been to Japan. I've been to you know parts of Australia, Melbourne, Brisbane. I've been all over Europe. I've been all over America. I've been to. Have I been to Canada for a show? No, I haven't been to Canada yet, but. I've been to no, I have. I lie. I have been to Canada for a show. So she does um, have a con. No. <laughs> I haven't. I've actually slowed down in the con department. I thought I'm going, to, I'm going to take a few years break because once you get into a show, they all kind of want you for a show, right? And then you, all you're doing is you're traveling. Mm. I think I traveled like a good 15 times for you know several shows in one year, and it, it gets exhausting. Um, especially when you've got other things going on in your life. But there is such a thing as a con career. <laughs> and it's great because you get to meet your fans. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. I love it. What's... Do you get to do panels or just the booths? Oh, yes. Or do you get to do both? Good. Both. Oh, they always want you for questions oh, I'd and hope so. answers and shows. And they want you to judge costumes. And, you know, they want you to go to parties and mingle with people. And look, it's fine. I think it's fine. I think it's actually a really great experience. Yeah. And, you know, it's... It's just so interesting. I never would have pictured myself doing that and being the person that, person that being the, the actor that someone wants an autograph from. Mm, I'd never really that's awesome. associated acting with that. Right. You know, the fact that people like this character or love this character is, is is what's amazing. And you don't want you don't want to upset them with your character. You know, mm -hmm. you want you want to be able to provide them with more entertainment because of that. So having fans is such a blessing. Mm -hmm. It's such a wonderful experience to have fans and people are always contacting you and wanting to talk to you and ask you questions and an awe of your character and all of that. I'm not saying I like that gratitude and, you know, I want them to sort of look up to me, but what I'm saying is that it's just so nice to have people that believed in your character and what yeah. you played and to have that continuously for years and years and years. Right. And honestly, you, you can't, there's nothing that can replace that feeling. That's awesome. Yeah. Do you have a favorite con moment? Um, oh, <laughs> I'd have to really think... I'd have to think a lot about that because there's been many, many, many funny moments. But I mean, I'm just trying to think of, you know, was there one moment that was that was amazing? And typically, when I think of con moments, I don't think of something that's happened to me per se. Mm. It's happened to the people around or I've watched something happen. Right. It's amazing. <clears throat> Let me give some uh, examples. Anyone dressed like you? Oh, yes. You've met all, him, the, all time. the time. Okay. Every show I've been to that where they know there's going to be a Barry Sophie. She was probably one of the simpler costumes that you can really, that you can wear. Because it's not like I had any sort of tentacles on my face or right. balls or anything like that. I actually was just plain, ta black tattoos, yellow skin, blue eyes. It's really not hard to do that. You know, you just wear a, a hood and it was a skirt and it, it was a bodysuit. It's very easy to be able to make that. Mm -hmm. um, and so you do see a lot more of, you know, Baris Offies and you see of Illuminarian Dooley or, you know, Shakti or, you know, Ahsoka. So, yeah, I do see that quite frequently. It's, and I always take a photo with anyone dressed up in my character because I've gone to that length to, <laughs> to do that, to then be at the show. I mean, I have to show my appreciation. So um, and I put it on my Facebook, on my fan page, because I want people to see that, you know, these people have made such wonderful effort. Yeah. And it's just so great to see my character. It's almost like my character has lived on in the in the in the on Earth. You know what I mean? That's so. awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. Traveled the furthest. Have you met anyone who's like, I came from. 10 hours. I have. Yeah, people are always saying, oh, I did. I traveled from seven hours to come and see you. And I'm oh, like, wow. wow. Let me spend some time chatting to you then. <laughs> That's beautiful. That's a great attitude. That's nice. so beautiful. It's That's very great. Nice. Very nice. Let, let me ask you uh, two questions. Yeah. For, uh, the second one will be what I ask every guest I ever talk to, mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. movie guys or otherwise. But the first one, what is your favorite of all the Star Wars movies? 
Well, I'll have two answers for that because there's the movies I watched when I was a child or the movies I watched as an adult. So I'd say that as an adult, Force Awakens uh, is my favourite because it's been a while since we've seen, you know, a Star Wars film, 15 years. So uh, I was very taken with that film. But of the ones that I watched as a child, Ewok Adventures was my favourite. Love that answer. <laughs> Love that answer. As a child, I just related to these Ewoks. I mean, you know, I was just very fascinated by them. Mm. And, you know, you don't know much as a child. Are they real? <laughs> what are they? And where are they? do they live? And I want to go and visit them, you know. <laughs> I want to so give I them a hug. I, I want to go and see them, Mom. You know, it was like that. I would ask my mom, Mom, can we? go and see them and I'd go behind the camera I mean behind the TV to look to see if they were there because oh, I didn't know how, how TVs were you know I was quite young so yeah. so I love the Ewoks That's that was awesome. my personal childhood memory you ever meet Eric Walker out on the uh, room? no I he's didn't. been in here we interviewed him right oh really in the studio, yeah. oh yeah, that's he's a good guest. <laughs> caravan of courage is, caravan yes. of courage is own yes Eric Walker nice fantastic yeah. Uh, how about that uh, out on the the concert? Have you met anyone who's like, oh my god, I've been oh, Williams that's or fun. anything? Yeah. Oh Has yeah, been any I, of that? A, a lot of the time, I meet you know, I, me and Billy D. Williams share the same convention agent, so I see Billy D. Williams. I've met Carrie Fisher. I've met um, you know Tomorrow Morrison. I've met. I've met so many of them. I mean, I just can't even reel off so you know, you my head. To, yeah, you get to play. And then turn around and be the fan. Too. Oh yeah, um, exactly. <laughs> so let me ask you, what your favorite movie uh, in any any of all the movies ever made of all time? Your favorite movie of Ooh, all time? Oh, it's going to be so hard for me to pick just one because I have a few different favorites. That's everybody's response. Yeah. So some of the really good films, Slumdog Millionaire, because I'd never seen anything like that. I thought it was brilliant. I could have watched that film time and time and time again. It's a movie and a half. That's oh, a yeah, lot of movie. It's a lot of movie, and it was just so unique. I'd never seen anything like it. It, it was, was a story we had not seen for yeah, sure. It, yeah. And it was yeah. based in India, and it was just so incredibly th well thought out. And you know, just seeing the actors, I recognized some of the Indian actors that were in it as well. And I just and these, you know, the coming up of oh, I see today I've forgotten everyone's name. <laughs> I'm very sorry. <laughs> it's the heat in here. Yeah, That's it is, what it is. It is quite hot in the here. heat you know, is all on. The, all the That's actors that you see now that are doing Dev films. Patel. Dev Patel and, right. and what was his ex girlfriend's name that was in the film? Frida the, the Pinto. Frida Pinto. Yeah. Yeah, right. yeah. So she she's great, and it's good to see their careers have sort of expanded since that. But but that was a great film just because it was just so unique in its plot. And another one because I'm a romantic at heart, which is quite old, and I've probably done they've probably not done remakes. Is the um, with Cinderella story ever after with Drew Barrymore <laughs> because Drew Barrymore is a very quirky I love her amazing fascinating actress to yes. watch on TV and when you see her play Cinderella and with this British accent and then she's playing against Drew Grace Scott mm -hmm. and you know brilliant British actor and all the other actors and the scenery and where it's shot I love Europe by the way so yeah. watching period pieces is my favorite mm. so I really was taken by that I could probably recite lines to you right now about that and of course never ending <laughs> story Oh, nice pull. Oh, yeah. Never Ending Story nice. is my favorite. I don't want anyone to do a remake of that because they would really, truly ruin it. I'm surprised mm. no one has, actually. Mm. Um, but Falcor was my favorite dog, mm. as I you know, nice. always tell my partner. Falcor is so cute. If they had made dogs like that. What's, or, the, horse? What's the horse? <laughs> the horse, uh, Atreyu? Too soon. <laughs> Yeah, too soon. You should be bringing that movie up. I still hurt. I know. I still hurt from Atreus' yeah. sadness. Oh yes. my God. Yeah. <laughs> Since this is countdown to nine, and in the spirit of that, um, is there anything you you think is going to happen in episode nine that y that you're expecting, and uh, or what do you want to happen? 
I don't. I don't really. I have to say, I'm not have. I don't have any expectations. I really don't because when you do, then you can get disappointed. All I want from this film is I don't want anything predictable. I want to be completely blown away, very surprised, and I don't want to see anything that's coming. Did you see the last? Did you like the Last Jedi? I wasn't a big fan. I oh, have to man. be honest. I'm, so I'm alone again on this. I'm <laughs> so sorry. I was not a fan. I Only because like, you said surprising, and to me that would, that whole film was that. So lack of acting uh, ability, and and there was just many things that just didn't quite make that film entertaining for me. Force Awakens, I loved. I yeah, mean, Force Awakens. The, the, the actors great. that yeah. they chose, the British actors, the, the 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 comedic timing, that you know, it was just th- th- everything from the CGI to the performance to the plot. It was just it was. Amazing. I love that. And mm-hmm. I'm hoping that nine will be the same. I, I really don't want it to be disappointing. And it's disappointing when you watch a film and you can go, okay, I know what's going to happen now. Oh, it's mm-hmm. so predictable. That's going to happen. I don't want to be sitting there and thinking that when I'm yeah. watching a film. I want to be on the edge of my f- seat. Going, did you oh. feel The Last Jedi was predictable? Because I, I did not feel like it I was. Didn't, so. No, I didn't feel it was predictable at all. But I personally felt it was kind of, it was really slow. I don't oh, know if you felt that. It was interesting. slow and... I was like, I, I was thinking, I was actually probably thinking more like what I said at the very beginning that, you know, when you watch a film and you see action, you expect to see it throughout all the films because you've, you've been raised watching those films. So the expectations is all these fight scenes and it wasn't there. It was almost like the attack of the clones. Mm. You know, they didn't have so much of that. It was a relationship between two people and the coming of a Jedi and um, you don't see a lot of action. You really don't. I personally didn't think it had, had much as much action as some of the other films, but I don't know what I was expecting but I don't think it, it really exceeded my expectations, unfortunately. To, to bring it back just quickly to Attack of the Clones, since we're here to talk about that, do mm. you have, aside from your scenes, um, do you yeah. have some favorite moments from Attack of the Clones? I mean, the fight scenes are always fascinating. Mm. I love action films, so I'm not going to lie and say, oh, you know, scenes, the romantic scenes. But, I mean, I love the costumes as well. I mean, I loved watching the costumes and, and the, the characters that were in these costumes. I thought that was very fascinating. Um, but the fight scenes most particularly were of interest to me. And there wasn't a lot of that in there either. Mm. <laughs> and the Jedi Council scenes, of course, because I was in them. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> but, <laughs> Do you ever feel like saying something just for fun? Like, I agree. Like, just say a line. Yeah. Well, if I had hey, lines, like, way to go, Yoda! <laughs> I, yeah, right. You are rocking it. I'm only here once. Yeah, no, huh? you, yeah. There's that. that <laughs> yeah, you want to be professional on set, and there's that expectation. If you do something, say something, you may ruin it. Right, so. damn straight, yeah. Mace. Yeah. Right? You yeah. look right at Yoda and go, "Green is good." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking those things and channeling it with my Jedi, you know, my Force, but never said right, it. Everybody, be careful out there. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I I should have, but no, I did not. <laughs> oh, that's well, that's uh, that's two movies down. Hey, we're doing pretty good. We are rocking it out. Well, we and with a guest. <laughs> I know we have we have eight to go. Uh, Countdown to nine podcast. Come back to the fifteenth every month, and don't forget the the last show of our run will be about five days before the release of episode nine. So once again, I'm Paul Preston. I'm Sean Blodgett. Thanks to Nalini Christian. Thank you. Thank you so much for having. Me. Uh, Appreciate yeah, it. Thank today. you, Nalini. No, thank you so thank much you. for being here. Yeah. Thank you, Sean. Yeah. So between our episodes, follow us as well. Countdown to nine everywhere. Twitter, Instagram, and the show is on YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, and of course the movieguys.net. Uh, I also want to plug the Karen Volpe Comedy Hour. That's my wife's comedy do it, show. Do it. Because it's the next it happens the first Saturday of every month. So next month's show is May 4th. 
May the fourth be with you. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a big Star Wars comedy yes. show at Viva Cantina in Burbank, California. Uh, so there'll be plenty of places on the movieguys.net and otherwise the our our social media feeds to find out all about it. So if you're in LA, come out to that. This is going to be uh, it's going to be interesting. Nice. It's nice. Interesting to say nice. Fantastic. Um, I've, got a, uh, I, I've got a, a quick thing. We, uh, we worked on a short film called Dirty Little Secret that's going to be playing at the Newport Beach Film Festival. So uh, if you get a chance, you can see the trailer. I believe it's on Vimeo, and I'll, I'll put a, a link for that. But as far as this show goes, join us next month, and we'll wrap up the prequel trilogy with a look at Episode 3, Revenge of the Sith, because Sith get revenge, not Jedi, as we've learned <laughs> over time. Uh, until May, Sean, I love you. I know. 